Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. And I'm Richard Roper, and I'm being very, very, very quiet because we're going to talk about A Quiet Place Part 2. Can you hear me now? No, I can't. <laughs> but let me tell you before you tell us about A Quiet Place Part 2. I just want, in the first movie, oh, man, you I just, just wanted to you, do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I you're fun. Jump up and go, they're right here! They're right here! You'd be alien chum so fast. And then chomp or whatever the, the sound was from that uh the road rover podcast is brought to you by americaneagle.com studios and americaneagle.com the digital landscape is changing rapidly and to compete in today's business environment you need an experienced partner since 1995 americaneagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes offering web design web development e-commerce mobile apps and digital marketing to drive your overall business success because they believe today's online world is your opportunity visit americaneagle.com today to get started so a quiet place too do they get to say anything in this movie well of course you just have to be careful how and when you say things a quiet place part two row is actually arriving in theaters may 28th but i got a chance for an advanced look I thought it'd be interesting to go through the history of this film because it really is emblematic of everything that happened in the entertainment industry when the pandemic hit. If we go back to March of 2020, and I know nobody wants to go back to March of 2020. Remember, they used to have like episodes of like the Twilight Zone where someone would invent a time travel machine and they'd always end up landing like on Pearl Harbor Day (laughs) or in the middle of some horrible pandemic, you know, the Spanish flu or something. They would try to avoid some calamity and end up in another calamity. Someone's going to do a time travel movie where someone goes back time and again to March of 2020, and that will be a horror film. So let's go back to March of 2020. A Quiet Place Part 2 was about to open in theaters, Row, And the first film had been this huge surprise monster hit. John Krasinski, everybody knew him as Jim from The Office. This was before people knew him as Jack Ryan as well. And he made the transition to uh, action star, but also director and his wife, Emily Blunt, playing his wife in the movie. And it was just a brilliant uh, concept for a film. The idea that these monsters had landed on planet Earth. They were blind, but they could hear anything, and any sound they heard would draw them immediately to you, and then they would eat you and, and, and destroy you quickly. So the sequel's ready to come out, highly anticipated. Paramount Pictures has got another hit on their hands. It's testing well. They even had a premiere, a good old-fashioned you know, Hollywood premiere with the red carpet and those what are those Klieg lights they have, those, mm-hmm. those big giant lights and the interviews and stuff. And then the pandemic hit. Emily Blunt was actually on her way to do an appearance with James Corden. I mean, she was doing the talk show circuit. They had spent millions on marketing and got a call saying, listen, you can go ahead and do the appearance on the show. Probably don't want to announce it there, but it's not opening. But they thought it was going to be delayed a week or two. Right. And then maybe a month or two. And they kept pushing it back. And Krasinski had enough clout as the director, producer, writer, star of the film to insist on a theatrical release, he he kept battling it back against the you know the streaming release, which we, which is what we saw with so many other films, and now finally, a year and two months later, it is coming out, A Quiet Place Part Two, only in theaters. Here's my question for you, Rokan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well-known hypochondriac. Yes. Amateur physician. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
all sorts of other areas of expertise, real and imagined. I thought it was easier than going to medical school. Well, and you know, you've helped me in many cases, and every diagnosis has always been <laughs> frighteningly spot on. And yeah. then you go, here's the name of a specialist. Yeah. Call him on this number, use this code word. But my question for you is, mm -hmm. I know you've been going out a little bit more. Uh, we see you on television here in Chicago. You're in studio on the ABC uh, affiliate in Chicago, Windy City Live. They don't have a studio audience yet. I know you're on the golf course. I don't think I'm giving uh -huh. away any deep secrets right. there, but you can, you know, you're not next to each other. Golf is not. I was at Guaranteed Rate Field on. You were at Guaranteed Saturday. Rate Field. I mean, you know, golf is not rugby. You guys don't scrum <laughs> it up where there's a lot of close contact. <laughs> not, not the way we play. <laughs> the one guy's in the bunker, the other guy's in the sand trap. The yeah. other guy quit at nine and yeah. he's in the clubhouse, that kind of thing. Exactly. But my question for you is are you ready to go back to a movie theater to watch a film? with other moviegoers. Would you go see something like this? I have to say that I went to a bar after going to a baseball game for the first time in two Man, seasons. I didn't even know you had done that. Yeah. And, and it was one of those bars that was absolutely jam-packed. Okay. It was like time jumped. Really? I went from May of 2019 to May of 2021, and wow. we didn't miss a beat. I mean, it was loud and packed and people climbing all over each other. And, you know, these are Chicago White Sox fans. Yeah. So that's a little different breed than the a, Cubs fans. A, a shy and retiring bunch. Yes. Who, who wait politely for their drink from the barkeep. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly not. And, and like, uh, I would imagine, like, a Cubs bar, there'd be a lot more masks than there would be at a White Sox bar. Because yeah. the White Sox, where you walk in, they just want to like, tear the mask off of you. It's, it's an aggressive crowd. Well, you will see some of the toughest, burliest, <laughs> most intimidating people. And then there's the guy fans as well so <laughs> yeah. so i have to say i've done it i mean so I, so you would yeah, go to a movie theater, I would go You'd to be a ready movie theater to, yeah. and i will say this and, and I, I got the go ahead from the studio they're fine with us talking about it right here on screen time i'll have my print review uh soon but i loved the sequel i loved the first film i thought what krasinski did was like the best of m night Shyamalan, and you know the the, the parallels the signs are there even in the types of monsters you know in a lot of those movie monsters row those aliens they do make that kind of clickety clickety click 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 sound which mm -hmm. is really really creepy yeah. and they all look a lot like alien and predator well alien i should say more than predator right you know there's always like m multiple rows of teeth and things yes. that open up and, and all that long and tubular and it's, yeah, yeah but yeah. the conceit of uh, a quiet place, uh, the original uh, screenplay was brilliant in that this family that we followed, the husband and the wife and the three children, the girl is deaf. And, and the character of Regan is played by Millicent Simmons, who is hearing impaired in real life. But for the purpose of the film, you can't make any noise. If you make any noise, that's how you attract these monsters, right? They, they can't see anything, but if you make any kind of a sound, they'll immediately swoop in and tear you to pieces. So this family was well-versed in sign language and how to communicate silently. So whereas a lot of families had slipped up, someone said something or whispered or whatever, they were, you know, they, they, yeah, or something like that. <laughs> Uh, and then they had some, you know those brilliant moments in the original film where like Emily Blunt's character she steps on a nail you know and she can't she you know look at her bare feet and gives birth eventually uh, and we are going to talk about some spoilers here folks so if you don't if you haven't seen the first one I don't know what you've been doing for the last fourteen months you've had some downtime to catch up with hit films and, and I think that was a perfect film for the pandemic too yeah yeah exactly you know it had come out before that and the sequel was made before that and one of the things I also love about these movies Ro is they film in uh, Western New York State and upstate New York, which is an area we don't see a lot on beautiful country, mm -hmm. you know, so it looks kind of like middle America, you know, Americana, because they're in this small town. 
So the original ends with John Krasinski's character. You know, the dad has to sacrifice himself to save the family. But if you'll recall, the original film, it started where we were already in the middle of this crisis, where the monsters were already here. The alien creatures had landed. Towns were ghost towns. People were, they were living on the farm, this family. For the sequel, we go back to day one, which is brilliant, which is also a way to get Krasinski in his own movie. So we, and I'm not going to give anything else away, but it says day one. And it gave me the chills because I'm like, now we're going to see how life is normal. And I will say this, you know, people will remember this harrowing uh, scene in the original where the littlest boy, he wants to get like a toy, like a spaceship, right? And he puts the batteries in it and the thing starts wing, you know, right. chiming and whizzing. And then an alien comes and, and takes the child. I mean, kills the child. It's, it's a, a frightful scene. Well, now in the sequel, we see Krasinski walk into the pharmacy, which is completely, of course, pristine and clean and everything. And he walks past the aisle where the toys are. And we see that little spaceship that the family's going to come back for, you know, mm-hmm. after the pandemic or after this, uh, I call it the pandemic because that's what we're in yeah. after the uh, the onslaught of these alien creatures. So, and then, and then we move forward to the events that happen with Emily Blunt as the mom, the surviving children. What are they going to do now? They're on the lam and now we're going to meet some new characters and they just do a brilliant job uh, of showing like what's happening now we're a year and a half into it and you're right how do they transition to take out the middle part of the actual first movie well we get the we get the prologue which is day one and it's an extended sequence then we get the title credits and then we're boom right back into day 474 the immediate aftermath of the original film where the baby has just been born and they figured out a way with sound waves that can kind of disable these villain, these uh, monsters and expose their inner gross jawline or whatever. Then mm-hmm. you can shoot them and make them splatter all over the place. <laughs> so, but now we're, we're, they have to leave the farm because it's been it has been destroyed, and you know there's a creature that they they just killed, and there's other creatures out there. So you know that first film, other than going into town, the whole thing took place on that farm with the family. Now they got to go out into the real world, and it's a lot like you know The Walking Dead and other survival zombie type movies the biggest threat sometimes might not be the aliens it might be the human beings who have turned into different types of characters and aren't necessarily your friends and if you remember from the original row you could there were scenes where they'd go up on top of the roof and they'd light a fire and you'd see other fires burning in the in the distance oh those are other families but are they really going to be friendlies on their door right when there's limited supplies you know we started to see that here last year Right, we started we to see that real dynamic occur that we'd only seen in pandemic movies and other yeah, kinds of end of the world kind of movies where people are just turning on each other and doing whatever they have to do. And then, you know, we got to that fraying edge. Luckily, we were able to, you know, get a little bit of relief last summer from the pandemic in the United States. And then now, obviously, we were in much better shape that we have vaccines and i'm going to a bar so that must mean something is okay well you're helping the economy and yeah. i appreciate so I you doing that but you're absolutely right i mean we had all those you know those disturbing viral videos of you know the, the the stores where people were hoarding toilet paper and bottled water and bounty paper towels right. and face masks and then you'd see someone rip the you know the, the toilet paper from the shopping cart of a young, older woman and run it out the door with it and you know all and of course you know, we had other you know other things happening last summer and marches and rioting and then there was looting and it really did feel like we were on the edge and it's not as if everything's better now we're still seeing almost every day now 
there's some video of some jerk ball yelling at some poor $10 an hour employee because they don't want to wear their mask. Or now they want to wear their mask. Ricky Schroeder or, comes to mind immediately. Yeah, apparently, you know, it was interesting too because, yeah, Ricky Schroeder's, you know, confronting this Costco assistant manager and saying he's going to get his refund. And the manager who looks like uh, our friend Tony Hale from Arrested Development <laughs> and Veep, you know, just the most mild-mannered kind of, but he he keeps his cool. And is calm throughout. And in those two minutes, he delivers a more authentic performance than Ricky Schroeder ever had in his career, quite frankly. <laughs> oh, wait. You know what? I I felt really badly about this because I loved him in NYPD Blue. He did do. You know what? Listen, he did do a nice job. He replaced he Jimmy freaking Smith. Yeah. You know how hard that is? You know how great that performance was? You know what an amazing cast and the writing on that show it's the best cop show ever on television we may one day have to rank all of those but i will never ever ever turn on that show I well pd blew the best i agree with you and listen you know we listen there twitter this week uh, has been all over ricky schroeder and then scott bio jumped in claiming that costco was a publicly owned company and they you know there were then people were giving him business lessons and then people were ripping him for being chachi but i'm like and listen, I don't agree with Scott Bio. He went, he has called me the generic Gene Cisco, which is actually a pretty funny, you know, rip at me, I have to say. But he was uh, Bob Loblaw on Arrested Development to go back to Arrested, and he was hilarious on that. So you know, I know it's easy to take shots at the careers of a lot of the uh, the right wing celebrities out there, John Voight. But it's like you know, John Voight's a freaking Oscar winner, man. I disagree with yeah. almost everything he says. Now, Randy Quaid, I, you know, listen, I didn't know that the pilot that he played in Independence Day was more normal than he is, and yeah. as his cousin Eddie. But my point is, yes. a Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah, we got back to that. Um, I did see it in a theater with with critics, and it was kind of ironic because it was in that it's in that surround sound Dolby theater. Mm -hmm. You know, they show that opening intro where the pouring of the glass of Coke sounds like the end of the world. It's so loud and gets you all excited and everything. And I love seeing it in the theater, and I'm ready to go back and see movies in theaters also with an audience. Uh, we're going to talk about in in the Thursday show another movie that I saw in a theater, one of the, the latest Saw movie, the Chris Rock version of Saw, which is a horror film. And again, these are the kinds of movies you want to see in theaters. So A Quiet Place Part 2 is going to be released on Friday, May 28th. That is Memorial Day weekend, as you know, traditionally a huge movie weekend. But they're going to split up the audiences, though, right? They're going to be at 50% or something like that. Yeah, it depends from state to state, city to city, theater chain to theater chain. But all the theaters are pretty much open now, but not to full capacity. You are correct. Before we endured this pandemic and before there was the movie Contagion, which is probably the best of all of those kinds of movies, okay. there was a movie called Outbreak in which one of the scenes <laughs> is in a movie theater where somebody coughs mm -hmm. and you get to see that pathogen travel yeah. through the air and then infect somebody else. And I thought to myself, my God, at that time, so I don't know if that movie is more than a decade old. I thought, wow, what if we ever had a pandemic? Because I'm an expert on pandemics. Yes, I've sure. been through it, whether it's the plague or 1918, doesn't matter to me. <laughs> uh, there yeah. is such bad karma mm. to doing that because movies will be the first thing to get shut down and look at what happened. Well, says the guy who was just elbowing his way to a, to get his drink at the crowded bar. Yeah, you know. So I mean, we're, we're, the risks are you're double vaxxed, and the, you know the theaters. Once you're seated, especially in a lot of the theaters now, you know, got those big comfy chairs, and you're kind of already separated. Now, there's a lot of old fashioned theaters where you're on top of people. Uh, in the theaters I've been to, they have entire rows closed off, and you reserve your seats in advance. But 
they're projecting the the obligatory uh, industry experts, the box office watchers, if you will, who haven't had any box office to watch for the last 14 months and, you know, God bless them, probably got into the landscaping business or other things. You got to do what you got to do. We all did. Um, they're saying a, maybe a $50 million weekend for A Quiet Place Part 2 in the United States and Canada where it's going to open, which is pretty darn good. I mean, if it does it's $50 million, and it's not a film that costs a ton of money, you know, because especially because, you know, the Krasinski and Emily Blunt, if they waive their usual, let's say, $5 million upfront fee or whatever and own a piece of this movie. Right. Uh, well, Killian I think Murphy. That's how they did it, right? Yeah, and there's a, an actor in Killian Murphy who's wonderful, oh. who's in this movie, who's always great. Peaky uh, Blinders. Yeah, but is also you know a guy who's a great actor, but is not going to get 15 million dollars. You know, he probably I wouldn't be surprised if he got a little piece of the piece of the action. Well, and then these wonderful young actors. It's really a very small contained cast, and it's an intense but intimate movie. The special effects are good. We see a little bit more of those aliens, but it's not like we're watching you know a James Cameron sci-fi movie, right? This was always their idea. Yeah. They wanted to make this small little indie yes. horror film. And generally, indie horror films don't make this kind of money back unless they really hit. And no. this one did. And they don't have to. Sometimes a film will make $8 million, but it still makes a profit because it costs you know a million to right. make. And there's already a not really a sequel to A Quiet Place 2, although it certainly leaves itself open to that, but a spinoff. Because it is a universe that you could do you know several different things with. Uh, but you know if it does $50 million... It's only going to be in theaters. This is back to that tradition where it's going to be 45 days before they're going to release it on streaming home video. 45 mm. days is pretty much the window anyway. When the first movie came out, it had made about 98% of its theatrical profits within 45 days. These movies do very, very well quickly. They're not really word-of-mouth movies. They're, they're, there's a built-in audience for it. So it, it's not like week eight is going to be that huge at the theater for it. It's also a film that has tested well with women with the under 25 crowd african americans are looking forward to this movie so it's hitting like they call all the quadrants if you will because you know the white guys are going to love this thing too so it's like almost every audience demo is excited about this film i think it's great i think you know listen it's up to everybody if you want to go back to theaters this is the movie i'd say if you're ready to return to the theaters i will tell you this you're going to have a great experience and it is something you want to see with the crowd because there are those moments where you almost poop your pants you get the bleep scared out of you, and then you have that cathartic laugh, which is so much fun to do with an audience. Speaking of things that everybody loves, Portillo's, the chocolate cake. I would like to eat the chocolate cake like I would like to eat an entire family on a farm if I were one of those monsters. That's how I feel <laughs> about lovely. the Portillo's That's chocolate cake. That's imagery right there. Or the hot dogs, or the Italian beef, all the stuff at Portillo's is Great. And if you don't live near a Portillo's, you can order online and have it shipped to you. And again, I suggest this chocolate cake because it changes everything in your cake eating life. From this point forward, you will want the chocolate cake for birthdays, for anniversaries, for whatever. I know people who have had the chocolate cake for their weddings as a second cake or they've tiered the chocolate. They buy oh, a bunch so of cool. chocolate cakes and then they put them around from Portillo's because they're that wow. good. They are, again, I'm going to say it because it's true, life-changing. A Chicago land favorite since 1963, Portillo's also has locations throughout the Midwest and in Florida, California, and Arizona. Order curbside pickup or delivery today. Go to Portillo's.com, P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. You had a very interesting weekend, as did I. I was 
uh, elbows to a-holes next to people at a bar that wanted to fight me, which is, I, I, I've never been in a bar fight in my life. And I thought, man, if I'm going to get into a bar fight, this would be fun. First time out after the oh, pandemic, geez. this would uh, be the thing to do. Golly. But you were in a much more civilized place. Well, yes, definitely. I would say that. And uh, we've been talking about uh Going back to the theaters, I've seen maybe eight or nine movies in theaters in a theatrical setting in the last couple of weeks. But I also attended my very first premiere event, a party uh, surrounding a, a movie, and it was for Chance the Rapper's Magnificent Coloring World, which is a concert film. And people know Chance, of course, from he's won Grammys and hosted SNL, and he's done a ton of streaming, you know, concert films, you know, just by himself or with a crew. Uh, but this was something, Ro, the backstory for this is uh, this was actually filmed in 2017, in 2017 in Chicago. And Chance has always been, you know, master at working the, you know, the social media. So what he wanted to do, he wanted to do a concert film, not a filmed concert. In other words, he didn't want to just have cameras when he was doing a live performance. We've seen tons of film concerts through the years, mm -hmm. but he wanted to do a concert film, something created specifically for the cameras. So he built out a five-stage set in Chicago's Cinespace Studios, where the all the Dick Wolf shows, Chicago PD mm -hmm. and Med, and one of the largest uh, complexes of sound stages anywhere in the world. Yeah, and Empire has filmed there for for years and years, and he's done some stuff there as well. Uh, and then they they sent out through the you know SoundCloud and all this, they got some metrics and found like his biggest fans, like the fans that download his music the day it comes out, that have been to concerts, all that stuff. Which of course you know you leave that footprint everywhere mm -hmm. on social media sent out an email blast saying if you want to gather on this corner on this date you will be taken to a place for a chance the rapper event it could have been a listening party it could have been a you know handle you know handing out free cds or whatever or downloads uh they got on the bus a bunch of kids got you know mostly kids they say kids they're in their 20s or whatever a uh, couple of school buses took them to Cinespace, and then they saw that there was an audience, there, uh, chairs there for about a thousand people, and they found out they were going to be an audience for the concert, and that he was going to perform live for them right then and there, and basically do it in one take with nine cameras. He wasn't going to start and stop if they screwed up. It was going to be a concert film, so he filmed it. And then he didn't really like the final version and kind of shelved it. There was some talk of it being on Netflix, and then during the pandemic. He really worked on his own editing skills and his own post-production skills and formed his own team. And I'll tell you a little bit about all that stuff and uh, the place where he's doing it in a bit. Uh, and redid it and then said, all right, now let's release it. But he went straight to AMC theaters. He went to the, to the head of AMC and said, why don't you put this in your theaters? Nobody had ever done that before without any kind of a middleman. And the guys from AMC were like, yeah, why don't we? So it is now going to come out in AMC theaters across the nation, uh, probably right around the 4th of July weekend. But he did a three-day uh, sneak preview here in Chicago, his hometown, where he has these great fans at the AMC theaters in downtown Chicago, complete with red carpet and Today Show reporters and local journalists and the cameras and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I attended that as well. And there were people there without masks on. Oh, boy. And screaming fans trying to do, you know, Insta-Tick stories and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, and, of course, Chance there. It's uh, not Insta-Tick. It's Insta-Talk. Thank you very yeah. much. It's 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 my moves on the space. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and again, I'll, I'll go, we'll go back and talk a little bit about the, the background to this role. But, you know, I, I got invited to this and I was there with a, a friend from a younger generation who said, hey, look at that guy. And there was a guy with like a man bun, like two little horns, like, mm -hmm. you know, his hair up like in a mm -hmm. bun like that. And she goes, that's Justin Bieber. And I'm like, 
No, it's not. It was. It was Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber came to oh, the well, premiere. I know friends. The, I, I think Chance was really with him through a lot of his difficulties yeah. and, and things like that. Uh, but low-key, you know, he did not show up with 100 people like I think he would have done in the past. He just came to support his friend. But, of course, all the little red carpet journalists were all excited because they are like, okay, we're going to interview Chance. And then Chance, which is great, but there's not like a cast to this movie or anything, you know. And then they're like, it's the Biebs. We can ask him stuff. Uh, so I was kind of impressed. Yeah. That he didn't, it wasn't like he made some big show of being there. He was just there to see his well, friend. Chance is a really interesting cat. He's a guy who I think, obviously, he's known as a musical artist, but he's also a philanthropist. He's involved in all kinds of community stuff. Mm-hmm. There is a rumor every few years here that he's going to run for mayor of Chicago. And I think he could potentially win if he were to do wow. that. He's he's a real he's, he's he's a renaissance man. I mean, he's a totally different kind of artist than you normally see in music. You know, yeah. there are people who are just you know really really great musicians when they were kids, and then they get into a band, and then they have some success, and they're just sort of still kids the whole way. It seems to me the chance is the opposite. Chance seems to me from I've met him a few times, but from the outside, mm-hmm. he looks like a guy who was always the smartest kid around, or at least, you know, like he was the fastest working brain, and has yeah. always found a way to do great things with whatever he chose to yeah. do. That's exactly right, Ro. And he was raised in a home that encouraged that artistic expression. You know, he's, he's a trained musician. He sings. Uh, you know, it's funny too. He's got. And listen, I'm not going to pretend like I know all his songs, although I do know some and I've gotten to know a lot more. But, you know, when you see him uh, on stage, there are these like uh, mascots. They almost look like the White Sox or, you know, the Cubs mascot or whatever. These giant puppet creatures that are, you know, very colorful and kind of interact with them. And I asked him about that and he said, it reminds me of Sesame Street. And I love Sesame Street. He's such a nostalgia guy for being like in his late 20s. So I'll go back and tell uh, quickly the story. We started talking about a year or so ago. He he had hit me up on Twitter like the kids do. He slid into the DMs, and then he would call me once in a while. He's a huge movie fan. That's why he would want to talk to me, mostly just about movies and and, and because he's getting more into filming his own concert stuff and editing and, and all of that and acting as we and saw he'll on SNL. end up being a huge movie star and a yeah. huge producer at some point because that's just who he is. And he's, and he's done some acting. He's, you know, in fact, we talked about this because he doesn't want to just do like a Beverly Hills cop and be the star. He said, he said to me like his, his favorite actors are like Paul Giamatti and Steve Buscemi. Like he wants to try to be a character actor. He goes, people are seeing enough of my face already, but I'm like, well, it's going to be hard for you to do that, but he'll find a role. So, when this magnificent coloring world uh, film was announced, he called me the day it was announced in Variety. He said, you know, I'd love for you to see this movie. Uh, you know, I haven't really shown it to anybody. Why don't you come up to the house and I'll show it to you in the screening room. He's got a giant house he's uh, renting on the north shore of Chicago. He calls it the House of Kicks because this is where he's got his editing team, his musicians, his co-writers. Uh, his green screen where he does his streaming videos. He's doing sound stuff there. But then there's also, you know, all kinds of fun stuff because it's the House of Kicks. So I drove up to the House of Kicks. Uh, and it was, it's it actually, it's very endearing. He took me down to the screening room. He had made popcorn, had water, had all the favorite movie candies, and he wanted to show me the movie. And he said, uh, now what do we do now when you watch the movie? Do I watch it with you? And I go, no, you go away. I don't want you to watch it with me. I watch it by myself. You go away, come back in an hour and 10 minutes when the movie's over. So I watched the film, and then we had a you know long conversation. And I'll you know plug the Sun-Times, uh, ran a long piece about our conversation mm-hmm. after that. 
Um, so, so then the next thing you know, and then we're going to the premiere. And then I, I said to him at some point, I've seen you now more than any other person in 2021, including my mother. So we, uh, <laughs> like, you know, just lose my number for a while, chance of the rapper, go do other things. But just a sweet guy, and, and he really loves film and really wants to talk movies. And I think there's a chance that you and I might uh, talk some movies with him a little bit later on this year. Oh, that'd be very fun. He's got a lot of passion for this. And Magnificent Coloring World, I'll say this. And I told him this. I said, listen, if I don't like this, I'm still going to review it when it comes out. That's the rule, you know, and he understands that. But it's pretty impressive piece of work because he does have nine cameras so there's all those dolly shots and back you know scenes and rack focus it's not overly cinematic but it's clear that you're watching something that was designed for a performance on camera and for the audience and he has the audience uh, he has mics in the audience he, he it was interesting he mentioned how so often in concert films or filmed concerts you see glimpses of the crowd but you don't usually hear a lot from them depends on the concert film Woodstock the crowd is a part of the movie but right. others it's true you just get kind of glimpses of it because it's all focused on Michael Jackson on stage or the band on stage or whatever he wanted to make sure that the audience was a huge part of this singing along and that's another reason why he wanted to get these hardcore fans they know all the words to the songs they know what's coming next you know so that's uh, great I love that whole trick too of having the buses lined up and people just get yeah. on the bus and he takes them off to this place and it's like that's really something it's chancy, is actually what well, it and is. that's I, and I think that's why instead of just you know, listen, people have done all kinds of different pop up events for a long time, but but to do the uh, you know what would you call it the you know the metrics on this and the background and to know that yeah. you're reaching out to hardcore fans, it'd be as if you got something you know from Elton John's team or from your favorite sports team or whatever, where you'd be like, okay, I'm 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 the, I'm the audience for this, whatever it may be. Right. Right. I, now I always thought Chance is a great name for a rapper. Terrible name for an accountant <laughs> or a doctor or a pilot, now that I think about it. But again, I have such respect for him, and I know he's like a hometown guy for us, but he's become such a huge international sensation. Yeah, he, he was selling out back when he was working on this film, you know, stadiums in Australia yeah. and Japan as well as in North America. He's given, we have a name. Chance the Roper, he calls us. We have our own showbiz name now. Wow. He So all his emails say Chance the Roper. I've trademarked it. He doesn't know that. <laughs> There's a reality I, show a, in, the, in the offing here because it's I, an unlikely pairing, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah, no, no, it really is. I mean, <laughs> you, you talk about uh, your... This is, you're kind of Nick Nolte to <laughs> his Eddie Murphy a little a, bit. A nephew of mine who's about the same age says, you know, if you're going to have someone half your age from that world like have a crush on you, why couldn't it be Ariana Grande that I could meet? Or you know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But All right. Well, congratulations so movies, to movies, him yes. on that. I can say that already. I know I have not read the review yet. I have not seen the film, but it sounds to me Pretty like cool. it's not going to get a bad review. So. And we're going to talk about all kinds of great music on the next episode of Screen Time, Rokan. We are because we're going to look back at the year 1971 because we didn't come up with this. Somebody else looked back at the year 1971, and it's a 500-part series on the year <laughs> 1971. It almost takes a year to get through it, but I we will talk about it because it's very interesting stuff. The Rowan Rover Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Renan Nelson and Tim Alanius are our executive producers. Brian Altimer is our music and production director. We'll see you next time.